Hello, and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Today we're going to discuss a game that Darren has wanted to talk about, I think, for a long time. Kind of one that I've had on my to-play list for a very long time, and that is Kentucky Route Zero. We've finally been able to do it because they've now finally completed it. Yep, as of February 2020, Act 5 was released, so... Which, you know, perhaps that we've cheated our listeners because we didn't give them your prophecy of what would happen in <laughs> Act 5. It's a bit weird to talk about how, you know, the the normal stats I give, which are like release dates, because this game was released in acts, in chapters, right? Yeah. Over multiple times. The release date, according to Steam, was February 23rd, uh, 2013. Yeah. Is that when it first dropped? No. So, well, yeah, I mean, sorry. So I've got the, I've got the kind of... If you want, we'll just go through like the timeline real quick here. I've got it written down. So it was kickstarted in January 2011. They they said they were gonna they they only raised six thousand five hundred bucks for it, but they got another two grand later on. So it was a really meager amount. And they're like, we're gonna release it on November 2011. Then came the official trailer, which was like, ah, it's gonna be December 2012. And then Act One came out. I've got here January 7th. 2013. And then there's all the little kind of interludes in between. So January 7th, uh, 2013 was Act 1. Limits and demonstrations a month later, February 12th, 2013. Then you got Act 2, May 31st, 2013. Then you got the entertainment, which is the interlude between Act 2 and 3, November 22nd, 2013. Fairly consistent, Act 3, May 6th, 2014. Here and along the Echo, end of the year-ish, October 30th, 2014. But at the end of Act 3, that's where we've got this big, these kind of huge gaps. Uh, Act 4 came out July 19th, 2016. Then the um, the interlude uh, between that and Pueblo de Nada, that was January 25th, uh, 2018. Two-year gap, twice there. Um, Act 5 was then, then dropped on January 28th, 2020, along with uh, the final act, Death of a Hired Man, at the same time. So from top to bottom, from Kickstarter to end, um, like nine years. Nine years. Okay. Not 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 quite Black Mesa timeline, but close enough. Developer and publisher is Cardboard Computer. It tends to get very positive reviews on Steam. More recently, it's down to mostly positive, but that is still positive. I would suspect that some of that might be in response to Act Five. It definitely is. A lot of my friends I've talked to about this, they're just like they were really bummed out by Act Five. Honestly, I can't. I'm, I kind of was as well. I, so we're I, we're going to get into that though, but not till the spoiler section. Yeah. As far as time, how long to beat has it as a it says about 8 hours, but my playthrough is 11. <laughs> I think yours is 14. I'm up to 42 hours at the moment, but yeah. Yeah, but you've I, played I, it yeah, multiple I've times. Played it like four times. Um I think yeah, from fr- from front to back the first time, I'd say at least 12 hours. At least. Um I think it was closer to 18. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd say it was closer to 18 for all five acts. I think it was 12 up to act four for me. I will say this about Kentucky Route Zero. It is something that feels very original. It is a story that is mostly vague, but there are some very specific parts that happen. I would also say that I would describe it as very much Twin Peaks the game. It's not the same story at all, but it's the same kind of really weird characters, really odd setting. And yeah, I I think that that's what this kind of feels like to me. But you said that there's a 
a, a better Twin Peaks the game or one that'd be more oh yeah yeah Virginia it's, that's a, a bit of a that flies under a lot of radars definitely it's, you're through under mine I'd not heard of it until it's a really good game did you did you have a look on Steam for it not yet it's no. uh it's definitely Twin Peaks the game that one but I agree this one is very Twin Peaks and the developers that themselves have said that they were inspired a lot by David Lynch and it's not hard to tell it's totally fitting this game is not I mean, it is very original, so it's not going to feel like other things you've played. For some people, this will probably drag on and feel like it's a bunch of nonsense. For other people, this will feel very artistic and meaningful. I think it just really hits you where you are in the mood and also kind of what person you are and what you like. So it's a difficult one for me to recommend. Obviously, I'm always going to say buy it on sale. I think you're going to get an interesting experience. But how much of that you actually enjoy is up to you. Yeah, I mean, I would describe this as that. And I would also say that this reminds me of like a Jack Kerouac book. It's got like a kind of a beat prose to it. It's very free. It randomly goes between characters. Not many, maybe not randomly, but it flows between characters without notification. Um, and it is it, like a, I would describe it somewhere between... Kerouac and Murakami for me, like somewhere between the surreal and and the kind of uh, road kind of novel stuff. Right. And I would treat this game as we're about to get into the spoiler section. This is a game that's really much more what we're going to talk about is kind of the a bit more of, I think, the history and the making of the game, the mechanics of the game and real kind of just broad strokes with the story. This one is much more about the story is puzzling than the actual gameplay. Yeah, and um, we're going to have to talk about that for sure. Because <laughs> there's really not much to it, is there? Yeah, we're going to get into that. So with that, I think we're already teasing the fact that we can't do any more without uh, doing some spoilers. So here it is, your spoiler warning. Insert, what, Kentucky Fried Jingle here or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that will get us, you know, copyright. Copyright strike. Yeah. All right. Right. So here we are. We could, this game is very odd. You and I have both said this about the game, that when it comes to the story for this game, we could either sum it up in a couple sentences or we could, I, I think a whole book could be written about the way this story works and the way all the characters are interconnected. I don't really want to go in and do like a three hour in-depth episode about this and i suspect that that's already been done before i just really want to focus kind of broad strokes the three areas so the history the mechanics and then the game kind of story itself so you have a lot more as far as the history i've got i've got a a little bit about it um one thing is that's kind of interesting is that when this game officially released in 2013 which you know it was the first act um or even maybe the first few acts by the end of 2013 but rock paper shotgun they 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 awarded this game of the year which i found bizarre it's like how can you give game of the year to a game that's not even finished do you think that act one is enough to be counted as a game i mean no because they even said it's it's it was originally a game in five acts and that was it i mean that, that would be like taking a telltale game and going wow episode one game of the year that doesn't make any sense. People went gaga for this game. And I understand why. Because 2013 was a terrible year for games. It was not. It wasn't good. I went through like the top kind of games of 2020. The only ones that, I, that really caught my attention was Bioshock Infinite. Well, I, I, 
love that one. Yeah, but. A Wolf Among Us, one of the Assassin's Creed's game. It was a bland year otherwise for games. So maybe that's what it was. But I mean, I think you're really pushing the ball out when, you, when you're saying that an unfinished game that still has episodes to come and you're already awarding it Game of the Year. <laughs> yeah, let's not go too far. It's a bit like the music awards when they give like the standout new performance or something, and it's often a one-hit wonder that you never hear from again. <laughs> Someone from the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people, RPS did it, um, Polygon did it, the Washington Post, whatever pool they have uh, in the gaming community did it. Yeah, they all went cuckoo bananas over this. And the Metacritic scores, there's no Metacritic score for Act 5 yet. As of yet, we're recording this in May. 2020. Still it doesn't, doesn't have one at all? Doesn't have one. No, hmm. I checked. Um, uh, Act 1 is 81, and then it goes 81, 82, 91, 90, but the user score is out for all the acts, and that's significantly lower. It's 7.5, 7.5, 6.7, 6.3, and then Act 4 is 6.4, which which did a little bit better than 6.3, but who knows? You know, the, the user score is generally... I don't really count that on Metacritic, because you don't even have to own the game to submit a review. It's kind of ridiculous. But yeah, so yeah, people went crazy for this. And I guess, well, the history, I was kind of hard on it. I mean, because because I was waiting for this game for a few, a, a long time. Um, and I did purchase it after Act 3 was 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 down because I was like, okay, I'll f- I think they're getting some momentum. We waited a long time already. It's been five years. Oh no, it's been four years like that, since, since it was announced. And then I ended up waiting another four. You know, and so that affected my playthrough, and then that definitely affected the way that I, I viewed Act Five. You've played it differently. You binged the whole thing. Yes, though I wouldn't necessarily say I binged the whole thing because the way I binge media is I don't stop. Right. Whereas I found this game very hard to binge, as far as like I couldn't play all in a day. Mm, mm, that's when, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> usually, when I got to the end of an act, I was done. Yeah, dreaming. and I was ready to not. <laughs> Whereas you know when I. I refer to this as being very Twin Peaks. Boy, when I binged you know, decades probably after it actually had aired, I was getting videotapes out of the library and watching those and watching them all twice because I thought they were giving me hints as to the solution to the mystery. Right. I was binging the heck out of Twin <laughs> Peaks. This is not like that. This was very much... There's something about it that just feels so incredibly exhausting to play right? and draining that... Now, by the end of the act, and especially the longer acts, when you get to Act Three and Act Four, I was I was really pushing to try to finish that act without stopping. You've only played it once. I think I've played Act Three four or five times, man, just to get that stupid achievement. <laughs> Finally, one hundred percent of it, though. Uh, I got them all. Uh, it does one really annoying thing. Just to mention something about the achievements, I hate when games do this. Do not. The Stanley Parable is the only game that's allowed to do this. <laughs> Do not force me to play a game on a special day of the week. Oh, okay. That's one of the achievements. You have to play it on a Tuesday. And if you happen to play it on a Wednesday, you got to... Okay, it's not much to fix your calendar on your computer, but I don't want to have to do that. Don't make me do that. I hate that. Is it a particular act you have to do? It's Sam and Ida's The Crane Machine. To, mm. uh, when you win something. Either you can only win it if you play on a Tuesday, which is funny because I didn't even know about the achievement until I got it. And then I saw later on, it's like, oh... I was just happened to be playing it on a Tuesday. But if I'd done that and I didn't get the achievement, I'd be like, what? Oh, so is that why I didn't win then? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought that I chose the wrong item. What did you choose? The headphones? The cowboy hat. 
Oh, the cowboy hat. No, the headphones said they were wrapped around something. I said, that's not going to come. I got the headphones and he wears them for the rest of the act. So maybe he gets the cowboy hat. I'm not going back to try it again. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find a video (laughs) on a Tuesday. Uh, Yeah. But But yeah, I I would say that my playthrough was different. I only had to wait. You know, I I put it off for 24 hours. I didn't wait for four years. What I have put off was uh, the YouTube channel Extra Credits. They did an in-depth thing on... Kentucky Route Zero, but I've been holding off watching that right, until one, I played it, and two, until we had talked about it here because I didn't want anything they said to influence something that I would say. But I know that this is one where I think they were doing a playthrough, and I think James, I think it's Portnow, who, you know, he just really understands games and game development. I think that it was one of those things where he was going through and he would be explaining stuff from the development standpoint and the story standpoint as you were getting to it. And I know they've done that for things like Dark Souls, and I found that very interesting. It added a lot more to my appreciation for the game because of him coming from the development side and and how that works. So I've been putting that off, but no, I put off playing the game until it was completed. Yeah, because I bought you this game. Did you say? I don't remember. I think that was a while ago. It was a while ago. I remember exactly when it was as well, because I bought a copy for me and it was so cheap. It was on sale somewhere. It was so cheap that I was like, oh, I have to get this for you as well. And yeah, so you've been sitting on it that entire time. I was stupid enough to get into it and start playing it. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, I, I understand like... Well, I, I read a, an, an interview that they did. I think it was with Polygon, actually. And it kind of struck me like, yeah, okay, so it's first of all, it's a team of, de- of three developers. So yeah, small team. It's going to take longer. They've got day jobs. And so you can't really fault them for that. Um, and even in my review that I put up on Steam, I was like, I don't care how long it takes you to make a game. I don't, I don't like this. Take the money now and release it. Drip feed it to the public. Like, just take your time and finish it. Like, even if it takes 10 years, then put it out when you're finished. You know, just... So would you have been happier if they put out Act 1 and then waited 10 years and then put out the rest? Probably, yeah. <laughs> because I would just forgotten about it. I mean, and I, I think a lot of people did forget about it. And that's kind of something I'd like to save for later on when we actually get into the story. Because I think the development story becomes intertwined with the game story. Um, uh, it does seem like a big, a huge art piece to me in a sense um, that it's infected and influenced by the people who actually play it and what they get out of it as well. But like, let's talk about the other, like just some quick things. They started getting sidetracked. They started, they were getting into doing like art installations. They were actually taking, you know, the chapter where you pick up the phone and stuff like that. Yeah. They were actually buying crates of old phones and re-engineering them so that you could only dial one number and they were auctioning them. Like, so, and they were, they had no experience of doing this. So they were like doing all these weird side projects. They got really into the game but beyond what the just the, the programming part of it was they were into all the kind of shoot, offshoots and art stuff that they could do they were actually act five was written mostly on the road in milan uh, where they were doing lectures on art video game programming music in games programming in games whatever um so yeah these guys had jobs and they were the game kind of followed them around so they're in a way conway making their delivery of the game to us <laughs> um Getting ahead of myself there, but, but yeah, so there's things like that. And then there's one thing that I never even thought about. It's like they had to deal every time Unity, which is the engine they made it on, every time Unity decided, oh, we're going to update Unity, it broke something of theirs. So now they've got to go back and fix it every time that Unity updated. Granted, it's a little bit of their fault because it did take them so long to, to do it. But yeah, imagine that you, you're, you're like, all right, guys, we've done act four. We can publish this very soon. And then Unity updates something and it crashes everything. 
yeah. So that, and then as you can imagine, for a game like this where it's just wall-to-wall text, localization was a nightmare because, well, they said in the interview, like tra- trying to get this into Korean and Japanese was insanely difficult. So I can understand the delays. I don't know. There's always the argument. George R. R. Martin, right? We <laughs> were always talking about him and when is the next book going to come out? And Neil Gaiman, who I respect highly, has made a great argument for the fact that creative people need to be creative and they need to sometimes do a different project before they come back to the main project. What is different, though, is the case where with Martin, we have bought the books. The contract is basically, as far as Gaiman argues it, you bought the book, you enjoyed the book, you can't expect there to be another book, even though you and I will will say otherwise. But I understand his point. In this case, though, where they're selling you a game, you've already bought it, and saying that there's more to come, it feels different. Yeah, because you would not pay... I mean, I think base price for this is 20, 20 bucks, I think. You wouldn't pay 20 bucks for the first act. But like I said, they did finish it in the end. So it's like, if you're new to the whole Kentucky Route Zero thing, and this is going to be your first time playing it, or hopefully you've played it before you've listened to this, but um, if you just bought it in 2020 and you played through it, maybe you had a really great time, but sitting around waiting for it was not fun. Let's talk a bit about the mechanics now. And by this, I mean the wide variety of types of games that they kind of threw at us. So we had, for the most part, a walking around sort of point and click, but without an inventory and dialogue choices. So it's somewhat like a Grim Fandango, but without the funny grabbing of stuff, right? Yeah. You have the, well, the Zero itself, which is a very weird map where you have to go around the circle and sometimes turn around at a certain point and then the map changes. You have the main map, which is, I think they refer to as the 65, which is the the main highway there, of which you can explore a lot. Yeah, there's tons to do there. There's all sorts of stuff. So you can get to, for example, there, I think there are two different museums. There is one museum, which is text-based only, where you can wander around. Once you get in, it just tells you what you see, and it gives you options of where do you want to go. And there are other things like the vehicles. dwellings. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But that actually becomes main story. Like, you have to do that one. Well, Well, sort of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we should get into that now. Because I want to know what happened. Because now you can explain to me what happened. Here's the thing. So let's just say, Justin and me sat down, and we were discussing this game a little bit. And then I was like, oh, so no spoilers yet, but you've done this part. He's like, no, I haven't. But I was like, no, but you have to have done it. Turns out... You don't. No. No. For some reason... Okay. When you start off, the kind of main menu for the levels is what they keep referring to as the circle. So you can, at any time, exit the game or exit to the circle. Right. In that circle, they have Act 1, and then they have the in-between... Limits and demonstrations, yep. Right. But I thought Limits and Demonstrations was the title for Act 1. I didn't realize that they were two separate things. So when I sent you a message and said I got the achievement for Act 1, but I didn't get the achievement for Limits and Demonstrations... I was very confused, yes. I was saying, what's going on? (laughs) And you thought I'd played both of them, whereas I'd only played one and couldn't figure out why there were two different achievements, one for Act 1 and one for Limits and Demonstrations, considering, in my head, they were the same thing. I finished Act 1, I moved on to Act 
too. And then I don't know how this happened, but somehow I ended up skipping part. And I think that it just let me. I think that it allowed me to move the circle so that I skipped a whole act. Mm. And so I would get to later in the game and Ezra would just suddenly be there. And I didn't know why, because I'd skipped that whole section. Yeah. So you'd skipped over the Museum of Dwellings completely? Yes. And I skipped over some demonstrations. I skipped over... The Office of Reclaimed Spaces. The first time, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I skipped over a lot of it. Mm. Sadly, didn't really feel like I missed out on a lot of story. <laughs> because really. I kind of put it together, and I just didn't really understand Ezra, because he seemed to appear out of nowhere. And why is your brother a gigantic bald eagle? Didn't know that. It just kept referring to him being in the sky. So I thought Julian was dead. Okay. And in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why nobody ever wanted to talk about him. No, he's a giant bird, mechanics-wise. That That is a problem. <laughs> you really shouldn't be able to skip sections of the game, especially where the story is important. That's going to be a bug. Something happened there. Possibly. Because they did go back later on. I did Act 1, Act 2, Act mm-hmm. 3, and then I remember being pushed an update, and I was like, oh, I got Act... I got these interludes all of a sudden. Maybe when they added the interludes, maybe they, there was an ability to skip to the next chapter by mistake, the next act by mistake or something like that. It was very weird, but... I think the problem is because the story is so kind of weird and vague and everything, Ezra just appearing out of nowhere seemed normal. It's almost like a book that you could just flick to any page and start reading from. Yeah, so you, you could be, oh, 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 this is happening. Right, yeah. okay. I'm, I'm, Maybe I'm there's going to be a flashback later to explain how we right. got to this point. So I didn't know. And there's a whole part with, you're like, well, how did you drive on the zero? And I'm like, I did drive on the zero. But I drove on the later section because you do it yeah, twice. I was like, I the horse is the barn. That puts you directly onto the zero. And you're like, nope, not for me. It didn't. Like, <laughs> what? What is going on? <laughs> well, we have other types of games, really. We have the weird phone interlude where we're basically just calling a hotline and going through the menu of possibilities. We have the text-based game with the cave. Xanadu, yeah. We have... I don't know how to put that one like the the last act i don't even know how to describe the last act mechanically like it, it's still sort of point and click but you're now none of the characters you're now a yeah. cat oh yeah oh, i thought you meant about the the, the radio station i thought the radio uh, the tv station sorry i thought the tv station was quite interesting because now you've got this hand and you can mouse around stuff you can interact a little bit for me one of the better sections of the game yeah, i like that section a lot um and actually supposedly you can watch that whole broadcast online like as a TV show. Maybe we'll put something in the description to take you there. But yeah, there was a couple of other uh, other bits. Uh, the cat thing was Act 5. Yeah, you play as a cat chasing a dragonfly. Where the story progresses as you're running around. And they make it pretty obvious, but I, I do wonder how much time is supposed to have passed in that. I suspect like a couple weeks, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because they're still, they're dragging dead horses out of the mud and stuff like that. So yeah, it can't be that long, really. But, but yeah, I mean, the game does like try to do little different things every now and then. And even in the interludes as well, like they do like the art installation for the uh, limits and demonstrations. And you've got the entertainment, which is you just basically sit down and watch a play and you can move around. And I thought limits and uh, sorry, I thought the entertainment was, I don't know, it was all right the first time I played it. I couldn't be bothered sitting through it the second time. And there's no way to speed it up, because unfortunately, every time you pan your head around, everything else stops behind you. Right. 
And so that gives you a chance to check out what everyone's saying, because you've got what the the guys at the very back of the theatre are saying, you've got the director's commentary going on over here, you've got the jukebox of sounds going on over here, and then you've got the main play in front of you. And it takes an hour, which is why I thought this was act, I think, act three or right, something. Right, right. But sitting through it again, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun for me. But with something like Death of a Hard Man, which only takes 10 minutes, I was quite happy to sit through that a few times, because I sat through that probably for an hour, Flicking between static to see if I could find Weaver. Spoilers, you can't. <laughs> or maybe, Good to know. You, maybe you can. And you just I, haven't I, done I, it yet. I didn't, and I spent an hour just watching static. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel very differently about that section. But it definitely, it wasn't Act 3 that I thought I skipped, because I knew Act 3 was going to be a long time. It was Act 2 that I thought that I must have skipped over. Right. There's the trolley in the mine, the right. kind of mine cart thing. There's the mini game with the claw game that you've mentioned already. There are lots of little things that this game does which are very interesting and others that are very frustrating. The boat trip through the bats just seemed to take forever. Yeah. It's a long one. But I love what it's doing. I love the fact that there is a variety of things that it's trying to do. I love the fact that they are allowing us to be different characters. I'm not sure that I necessarily like the way that they're approaching it, but I do like the concept and I like that each character has a different voice and you get different choices that sometimes because you're playing kind of everybody, you might get a dialogue choice where you're choosing not one person, what might this person say, but which person do you want to speak? Right. Given what they're going to say. And in this game... What you choose is what they actually say, which is <laughs> kind of nice. Yes, Telltale Games. <laughs> <laughs> Take note. So I think it's a very interesting game, a bit more artsy than I would typically want to do, especially mechanically, but an interesting experience. But all of that is to tie into the story, and it's time that we get into the story. I'm sitting here with 10 pages of notes. You have 12 pages. I refuse to go through it. Like, I refuse to go through it bit by bit anyway. I don't think that this would be fun for them, and I don't think this would be fun for us. Yeah. This game, especially the long stretches, are just too long. Um, well, you go, and then if I think you've missed something, because I've got all mine in order. Um, that would be handy. One thing I will say is that there is absolutely no point um, in mentioning what scene that these happen in, because... They can happen in different ways. And when I went, when I went back for subsequent playthroughs, the scenes are off by one if you do something else first. So every time you stop to look in the window at the convenience store or you go to that museum or you go to the abandoned church or something like that, you'll get a new scene. Um, so acts for sure is all contained, but scene by scene, it will not be the same for me as it was for you. Or for our listeners. Or for our listeners, yeah. Act so, yeah. one, you start off with Equus Oils. You're there with Joseph and a dog, which you can name or not name. First time through, I didn't name it. But you have to do this part twice. Well, you don't have to. You have to come back here if you want to get Carrington and get the final ending, which you had to explain to me because there's no way I would have figured that out. Mm. I didn't go back to Equus Oils the first time. Neither did I. That's why, because on my when I finished Act 4, there was one last interlude and it's just scored out. Oh, maybe that's coming. Maybe that's another one that they've got coming. Because, you know, by this by this time, I'm quite 
what's the word? It's, it's been norm- normalized, like just waiting for content to drop. So I was like, oh, maybe that's coming later. Uh, I did on my second playthrough. I did go back to and then Carrington with his big deer antlers was there, and yeah, he's kind of an important guy. Is he? Well, if you want to play the full game, yes. <laughs> I suppose so. And he does pop up, and he's like, he pops up in a lot of key scenes as well, just like so seemingly out of nowhere. You know, he'll just be like, boom, like Jane Silent Bob just popping up all over the place. Um, if you find him, if you don't find him, and you just play through, you'll never, you'll never see, see him. You'll never see him, yeah. You have to find him in Act 1 in order to see him later. I don't want to go, like I said, I don't want to go through bit by bit. There is the part here where you have to go down to the basement and... Find a D20? Do you have to find the D20? Oh, you do, because otherwise those people won't get out of your way. But they can't hear you. I think that there's something in the story I missed because of my dialogue choices. Okay. Later in the game, you're going to meet Shannon, and she says something about ghosts, and I didn't choose it, and I have a feeling that you're going to say this whole game is about ghosts. Um, uh, I don't actually know. Uh, it could be. I mean, okay, so it's not like I missed... A clear, everything think, is going no, to be about ghosts no, from here I on. I don't think you missed anything. I think it just it's one of those stories that just, it comes to you and then you make assumptions about what, what happened in the beginning later on. So, I mean, when I first played it, I did think, I mean, immediately when someone is sitting at a table and then you go and pick up something, then you come back and everyone is suddenly gone in the middle of playing a game and then you go upstairs and you talk to the guy at the pump. And and he's he like, no, there's no one, one there. there. It's like, yeah. well, obviously we're, we're dealing with ghosts. I'm a ghost, or they were ghosts, but which yeah, one is it? I guess, or they're just weird people who live under the ground and play D&D. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly turn invisible? Well, the problem is, I, at this point, don't know how trustworthy Joseph is. Uh, yeah, that's that's also... And you'll find out later, maybe he's not the most trustworthy person. Whoa. Well, there, there's some things where apparently he's pretending to be blind, or, you know, he, Lula thinks that we're sent to her just because Joseph is still in love with her and somehow this will get her attention. Mm. There's all sorts of things where we don't know how trustworthy he is or how trustworthy pretty much anybody in the game is. Yeah. We're going to, in this act, we're going to have to find an (laughs) address. This whole game is like, find an address to find somebody who knows what the address means to find mm-hmm. somebody else, to find somebody else. We have to... That, I mean, that's kind of the whole game. It's a game of bureaucracy on one level, yeah. So we're going to end up going out to meet Weaver in the farmhouse. And then that's going to end us up at the mine. With a really kind of cool mine cart thing that you have to go back and forth on. And you can turn it at the central area to look at different tracks and what's on them. And you get a whole history about the mine and the fact that it was flooded and the poor people there, they weren't really being paid. They were kind of given these little coins that they would literally have to use to stay alive by keeping the ventilation going. And in this case, to keep the pumps going and they couldn't like, apparently they tried to turn off all the lights and everything to save power for the pumps, but it wasn't enough. So this is where we find out that Shannon's parents had died, but Weaver's parents, who were academics, who I, I guess they're the ones that were doing the recordings of the minor stories and songs, they survived because they weren't stuck down here. That's right. Yeah, but I like that mind. Like if you switch off the light and you just go and you see the sparks and you see the ghosts of the miners in the background. Oh, I didn't do that. Uh, if you switch off the lamp, because you know you got that toggle to switch the lamp yeah. on and off. If you switch it off, 
every now and then you get like one of those sparks like you know from when you're riding the bumper cars and when it flashes up you'll see all the dead miners in the background and if you click the lights but on they're all gone so it's just like you got to switch off the lights to be able to see them okay um which again ties into the whole ghosts thing um so they're all kind of still stuck down there but also this scene had a weird achievement where you had to turn and face um shannon into the to like looking at you, and the screen goes all like, whoa, 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 the hypnotoad from Futurama. And, uh, and you get this, yeah, this stupid achievement, which took me like 10 minutes to get because I'm dumb. You just, well, you told me you were you were holding it, waiting for the achievement to, to pop, pop up. It doesn't pop until you actually turn away from it, yeah. But okay. <laughs> so for those of you trying to get your 100%, if you've missed that one, there you go. Yeah, it takes one minute, not 10. We go back to the farmhouse. And at least I assume so. It gives you the option you could go back to Shannon's shop, but I didn't do that. I did that the first time. Nothing much happens, really. I mean, nothing much happens anywhere. (laughs) Um, Again, why it could be summed up so quickly if you wanted. Yeah. But we go to that house, and Weaver is no longer there. And there's a whole thing where we don't know exactly what's going on with Weaver. I think Weaver is a ghost. I think think so, too. Um, By the end of it, she... I don't, There's a whole thing with Weaver where she's disappeared. She can, she can jam the radio station but signal. Is she a real person doing that though? You know, like, she could be, but it's always like the same video. And there's also just these weird times where Shannon seems to be talking to Weaver. Yeah, and Weaver did tell her to go to the mine, and that's where she met Conway. And so it was a bit of like clairvoyance going on. So yeah, I think she's dead. Before we leave this act, we do need to talk about the fact that Conway. Hurts his leg. <laughs> Almost immediately. And he's limping for like... <laughs> the rest of the game. <laughs> well, yeah, not quite, but half of it at least. There's a dialogue choice later where you can choose what happened. Something grabbed me, rocks fell on it. And the whole time, you can try to get him to say, oh, I'm fine. But clearly he's not fine because he's hobbling around. <laughs> That's a bit frustrating. And I would really like it for game to not hobble my characters in a way that's going to make them walk very slowly. Yeah, because you're, like, you're just like running around, running around, and then get to the mine, and like, oh, you're working at half speed now. <laughs> oh, great. It is important for the story, though, so I, I do appreciate that fact. Did you find, when you were going around the map in Act 1, did you find the airplane? I The two guys pushing the airplane along the road? Yes, I did. Okay, because that seems to be a constant theme that goes throughout the whole game until Act 5. What, the guys pushing that the airplane? airplane. Yeah, because they're... I only found them once. You definitely saw them on the the Echo. I'm pretty sure you would have seen them float, oh, okay. f- floating that plane. Uh, did you go to the gas station on the Echo? Where, like the, the floating gas station to refuel? Or did you yes. stay on board? Yes, I did. Uh, so it goes past. On one, um, oh, does yeah. it? Okay. So yeah, it goes through there. I think it's in, uh, it's in, and it's obviously at the end of Act 5 as well. But it's just this recurring theme of pushing an airplane, which has, you know, you can you can take into whatever you think that means. A <laughs> hundred different things, but I won't waste your time. But we get to the farmhouse, we have Shannon fix the TV, and then the barn becomes a tunnel. We can now go to the zero. That's right. So this takes us to the entertainment, correct? No, this takes us to limits and demonstrations. Right, so this is just a gallery... Art installation that is supposedly put in here by Ula Chamberlain, Chamberlain, yeah. Who we don't know a clue. We don't have a clue as to who that is yet. It's interesting that at this moment you're controlling Emily, though, who is like... 
She'll come in much later as well. Way down the line, yeah. So you're controlling Emily looking around this, and uh, you find some stuff in here about Xanadu. There's a lot of kind of foreshadowing going on. Um, interesting little note is the reason that the developers put this one in first and why it's so short is because they were working, they were working out bugs. And so this was a way for them to kind of test things out for what was happening, going to happen later. But yeah, I think some of these are real. One of them is like, it seems like a Korean uh, artist's name. He's the one with all the, the, the tape, uh, the, the magnetic tape and stuff. I think some of these are real. Uh, um, but yeah, there's really not much to it. You walk around in a circle and for the longest time I couldn't exit because you got to walk past the exit to actually get to the exit. It's kind of hard to explain here, but I'll put it in the video where you can't see the exit until you walk past the exit, and right. then you got to go back to the exit. That's frustrating. <laughs> that magnetic tape thing, though, does hint very much at Xanadu, but we won't right. see that till Act 3, whereas we're now going to jump into Act 2. This is the one that I skipped. Right. Act 2 is, again, there's not a lot to it. We start off, I believe, in the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces. Yep. Which is a fantastic name for a bureau. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and really, it's more like rearranging spaces because they've taken over this church and then put the church back into where they had the storage. But the church doesn't have enough room for all the storage, so it makes no sense for them to be here. What bureaucracy? Brazil, all over again. <laughs> we get to meet Marianne, who's our receptionist, and then we can explore the five different floors after we look at what they refer to as grotesques, which are those video clips, which we don't see. We just get in text description. The because yeah, what's a, a grotesque is like one of those like gargoyles that sits on the end of the buildings. Yeah. But in this case, it's just like a stack of television sets. The first floor has a bunch of clerks. We're supposed to go to the fifth floor, but I got off here. This is where Lula actually is. So you can get the runaround or you can just say, I'm supposed to talk to Lula. And then once you do, you talk to her, and she says, oh, you have to go to the fourth floor. So I did explore every floor. There is the fifth floor, which is just the one guy with, with the, the broken record. The broken record, yeah. There's the fourth floor, which is just boxes of records, which is what we need to look in. Yep. There's the third, third floor. floor, which is just guys doing a PowerPoint presentation kind of thing. There is the second floor, which is... Bears. Bear. I might have that in the yeah, wrong order. Wrong I think the third floor is the bears. The bears, yeah. Second floor is the charged guys, and you need that one because if you go all the way to the right, you get to watch a guy play an organ. Who, Will. Yeah, who we're going to see a lot on the boat, right? Yeah, yeah Will's okay. on the boat. Barbecuing while playing the organ. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in beach shorts. Yes. <laughs> I love Will. Will's, Will's a great character. The bears serve no purpose. No. Except just to be weird, which is a very David Lynch thing to throw in. Yeah. I'm just glad the bears didn't eat me. Because yeah, I was going, expecting that. I'm going past and they're just all like turning their heads, just looking at me like, <laughs> mm, yummy. Uh, but no, they don't eat you. You can't actually die in this game, which is good. Because you're well, already, because you're already dead. Maybe. Sort of. <laughs> anyway, you get instructions to get out onto the zero now, I think. And then you end up at, what's the museum? The Museum of Dwellings? Museum of Dwellings, yeah. Which is where we need to... Well, we go someplace else we go, first. We so have to go. We go to the warehouse first, yeah. um, and then you can talk to that guy and or the listen, janitor. And listen to the sermon from the church, whatever. Which I didn't. I I, I listened to the first one. I went, eh, I'll skip, skip, skip. And then 
his leg is really bad. Conway's leg is getting really bad. So you have to go back to the bureau and then go to the museum of dwellings. It's getting so bad that even other people are starting to tell you, you really need to go and get that looked at. (laughs) The museum of dwellings is a very weird place. I liked it. I like this this level. There's a cabin where you can go, which Conway seems to be very familiar with. We're pretty much going to be led to believe that this is the house that, what was his name? Charlie was roofing when he got injured. Right, when he was killed. And so he goes in, and that's kind of the most interesting thing for me. Outside of the giant bird that we're going to see once we go up the elevator, flying around, and you meet Ezra who says that Julian the bird is his brother and Julian can take us to the doctor. They took they took the doctor out into the forest because it's too hard to sleep in this place. Yeah, you get nightmares in here. So yeah, so I mean this this museum of dwellings is like the whole build up to it is it's almost like so all of this has happened before and so we're going through each place and they're describing Conway looking for the doctor in the real what I would refer to as is the real world and now this is perhaps maybe. I mean, I'm. They're they're talking about it as though it's already happened. It's already happened, and now th- this is like the museum of. This is just well archived now. It's archive footage or material for Conway's life, basically. Maybe maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's half dead. Maybe this is like some kind of limbo that he's got to get through to get to where he's going, which I do kind of believe uh, makes more sense. Um, but yeah, so you get up there, and then whoosh. Yeah, for some reason, you can choose to open an umbrella or close it. As well, I don't really know why they have that option in there. Um, it doesn't seem to serve a purpose. If it does, I missed. It. I went through thinking maybe there was some kind of achievement if you just got wet, so I just didn't open it the whole time. Um, but yeah, so yeah, whoosh. I mean, so Julian's brother is a bird. Ezra's and a, and a, and a gi- sorry, Julian. Julian is the brother. Ezra's brother is a giant bird. So what do you think that means? Do you have any ideas about that, or am I, is it just me that's going to have to fill in this gap? I mean, you can do. I think at first. When I thought it was perhaps a crow or something, then there's that myth of carrying souls to where they need to be. And I suppose you could still have it in this case, but there's a part of me that's just, especially when you get towards the end, where I start to feel that this is a bit like Lost in the fact that a lot of stuff seems to be so vague, kind of on purpose, so that you won't be able to figure it out or it doesn't. In their minds, it doesn't have to make sense. And there isn't, for me, that great payoff. And there's a number of reasons for that, but I, I want to get to that when we get towards the end. So if you have theories, by all means, throw them out there. I kind of, but because I had skipped this by mistake and gone back to it, I had already played the end of the game. Right. And then gone back to this. And it just made everything here feel pointless. That I didn't really need to know that because it was never really going to come up again. Yeah. Yeah. Again, going back to that thing where you can, it's like a book that you can just pick up and just start reading from any page. Yeah. I think there's definitely something here because the way Ezra is dressed is quite striking. He's a little kid who wears a suit and a tie. But his family is also quite rich at one point. This, his, these might be the only clothes he has. And yeah. And his brother is a giant bald eagle, right? So I think, and, and this game gets into a lot of debt and it's a lot of like the Great Depression. There's a lot of um, out of control debt indentured uh, servitude is a big part i think you could take it quite literally that uh julian is basically the american dream he's the bald eagle you know he represents that side of the american dream whereas ezra is maybe almost like well he is his brother so he's maybe the kind of the corporate side of that where 
facilitates the money making to get your dream. And I think there's, because throughout this game, there's so many references to debt. There's so many references to, um, and well, Conway himself ends up succumbing to it. You know, he's taken away by it. But every character seems to have a story, a story of loss, a story of debt. Will is the only person who said, screw it all. And, and in fact, for most people on the Echo, they seem to have escaped it. But their choices to live underground in the dark. Um, which is, uh, again, interesting because Lake Leith, I think you pronounce it, is, uh, is the Greek river um, for where you go to wash away all of your memories before you enter the afterlife. So, um, and that all pieces together quite perfectly for how I would interpret the game anyway. Um, as it being, yeah, you passing over to the other side kind of thing. But yeah, Julian and Ezra, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're brothers, literally, I think, but very, obviously very different things, entities, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, I was very surprised with that massive eagle just like swoops down and your umbrellas are like, pyong. <laughs> yeah. I hated this flying bit though. It's very hard to control. It is. And sometimes Julian seems to take off whatever direction he wants. It's like, no, come back yeah, here. Yeah. And it was so hard to follow. You, you have to follow that compass and you have to keep following it east and keep going. And you go beyond any point you could before in the map. And then it gets really far. You cover two or three lakes by the time you actually you get to the, the one you need. the invisible wall and then you have to double back because you've gone the wrong direction. So you get to the other side. You see Dr. Truman. He's going to help you, but... As you're going under the anesthesia, that's when he starts to talk about how you're going to have to pay. Yep. Fade to black. Now we're in the next intermission, right? So what is the next intermission? Oh, no. One thing. When you're going through the forest, did you not get like a fuel for like inside or limbo when you're doing that forest part? When Ezra's running through the forest, when you actually arrive in the forest and then there's like the bluegrass people playing in the foreground and you're just running through the trees. There's like a little bit of a, a limbo bit there. Because <laughs> it's the little kid, he's like a yeah, little limbo boy there. Um, yeah, yeah that, was just, that was just a little stupid note. But yeah, how many times does that doctor say Neuroprol TM? He says it like a hundred times. He says about three, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's because that's the only medicine he can use is the one approved of by the company he has to hawk because he's in debt to them because of student loans, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you don't have to be, you don't have to go too deep into the art to make a connection to that. Uh, but yeah, the entertainment is next. And so, yeah, we're watching a play. See, now this is where I feel very differently. I actually really like the entertainment. I think that this one is just surprising. I was like, oh, I, I liked can't. it the first time. I can't. Well, okay, that may yeah. be the difference. But I, <laughs> I was sitting here going, well, literally, like in the game, you're sitting there, you can't do anything. And you can follow what's going on at the bar. You can listen to what they're saying. Now, you don't... Again, this is what, this part is not really game. This part is more interactive story where you can choose who you're listening to and when, but you have to listen to everybody, I think. Maybe. You, don't have to, you don't have to listen to the background. You just you can complete it just by focusing on, on the play. Oh, okay. I was doing Game it all this time. Yeah. <laughs> there's the sound effects. There's the student production person talking about how they made it work and the fact that they combine these two plays one happens at the bar and one is us the bar fly which apparently was a play that had no dialogue 
<laughs> it would just be some guy sitting there drinking. Because that's that the butterfly one is that's the the bar is called the lower depths, isn't it? Which we'll see later on. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just noticed it, the hard times whiskey. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you've also got the for each kind of act within this play, you get a review from somebody behind <laughs> you, and they're always insulting the barfly part of it. <laughs> maybe he should have had a line. Maybe he should have something to do. But I love the way that the story in this, I mean, this as a short story is quite interesting because it progresses where you've got the woman who's overly obsessed with her husband who's on the road trying to sell stuff and that he might be cheating on her. And then you've got the younger woman who's upset with her parents and how much they're sponging off of her. Harry, who owns the bars, he starts off friendly, but he gets more and more irritated as time goes on. There's the the parents who show up later who say, like, the, the mother is like, well, he said I have management potential. And so the father is like, let's celebrate. Yeah, you will celebrate for the job that you don't have. You yet. don't have, yeah. <laughs> and later she kind of goes back on that and says, oh, well, he said maybe someday. He's like, what? Then what were we celebrating for? And And daughter, how can you not pay for us anymore? What kind of daughter are you? And it leads up to just this crazy bit, which is really, for me, the core of this whole universe they've created, which is the company, the power company, which is buying up everything. And it has bought, essentially, Harry has no money. And to pay for the alcohol that everybody's putting on a tab, he's had to make a deal with them. He's sold their tabs to the company. So now the company's going to come in and they're going to be indentured servants, essentially. It's so wild. Yeah. And I was like, what a great act two. Not realizing I'd actually <laughs> skip back to. Like, well, that's very interesting. And I, I think that that works well. And that really sets up where we're going with act three for what, for me anyway, was the kind of final section of act three. Yeah. I love the, like, maybe when you're playing that and you notice that there's like a brick sandwich. Um, there was this, there was this thing, uh, pre prohibition time where, they would say, okay, a bar cannot sell alcohol on a Sunday anymore. So they were, they were like getting ready for prohibition kind of thing. Only hotels are allowed to do that. So bars were like clearing out like broom closets, which is why later on in, in the game, like, oh, I think Junebug says we'll probably be staying in one of Harry's broom closets. Um, because there was this thing called Rain's Law and Rain's Law said that you can only sell alcohol on a Sunday if you're a hotel. So all these little bars were like basically getting little closets, throwing a bed in there. And because they're a hotel, they have to serve free food. And so they're like, well, a sandwich is basically anything between two slices of bread. So they would make these like brick sandwiches and just put them on the table. That's your free food. There was even some, some bars would make rubber ones, which they would just like put on other tables. <laughs> like just, it's crazy. But yeah, really interesting thing. That was like passed in 19, sorry, in 1896. Um, just to start curbing alcohol consumption. And because, yeah, that, that brick sandwich comes into play. It comes, it's actually in the real Harry's Bar in the lower depths later on uh, when we go to see the performance of Junebug. And yeah, so like you said, this, this selling of debt, I don't know. I mean, again, it seems like just straight up. The, and they're even, they're even called what? The Consolidated Power Company? Nothing Something like, I mean, like it's that. Like that. Uh, yeah, it just seems it's in today's, or like maybe not even today's kind of stuff, but. Certainly in like the 90s and the early 2000s, this idea of like, you can consolidate all your debt into this one place, which 
you know, at the time was probably very much what was going on when they started making, when they had the idea for this project. Uh, a lot of the, these kind of big companies monopolizing people's debt, um, taking it over and, yeah, basically selling people up the river, housing bubble, etc. Uh, but yeah, Act 3, we're back to the Museum of Dwellings. Conway wakes up. And he now has a yellow skeleton leg, which makes a weird sound. And this is important because we're going to find out that everybody who ends up working for the company becomes this yellow skeleton. Which, okay, here's one thing. Do you think that that yellow skeleton is only something that we see as a player and Conway sees because it's his? Because he mentions, he's like, this isn't my leg. You know, he does say that. Or at least there's one of the dialogue options. But everyone's like, no, you're fine, you're fine. No one else seems to see what we're seeing. And it's like, he's in debt. The, 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 to me, the, the bone, the, the, the skeleton is just like a symbol for debt because he gets it in his leg because he's now in debt for this, this medicine to, to save his leg. And then he gets it later on in, in his arm because that's the arm he used to drink the whiskey uh, yes. from the, the power company. And so later on, yeah, his arm, his right arm and his left leg, I think, are uh, skeletal. But when people are talking about the skeletons, they don't say, oh my God, look, a giant glowing skeleton. They're just like, oh, those guys are kind of creepy. I don't like them. They, they weird me out. I don't think they see them as how we see them. No, I think for them, they probably see them in a uniform of some sort. Right. But yeah, to fly through this chapter in a way that the chapter doesn't do itself, <laughs> like this act is very long. There's the whole section where the truck breaks down and we have to wait for Junebug and Johnny to come along and to help restart the truck. They're going to take us to Harry's place at the lower depths. I don't, this is the first time we see Johnny and Junebug, right? Yep. It took me a long time. I didn't realize what was going on because whenever Junebug walked, I noticed there was an electronic sound. So I asked you, is she a robot? And you said, yes, they both are. Apparently they used to work in the mines, but then decided not to. So is this a thing of automation where they replaced miners at one point yeah they were made to they were i think somewhere in the story you find out that they were made to clear out the mine once once it had been flooded okay. and so they were like the kind of rescue not rescue <laughs> they're all dead uh, they were like the reclamation team where they're just going in to clean it all up but then like they said they found that they weren't destined for this the music was their kind of thing because they found like an old cassette tape and they just knew that Music was their thing. And so, yeah, I like her story a lot. It's like, you know, she's saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't always like this. You know, I was a foot and a half shorter. I had no features on my face. We just grew. We built. We added things to ourselves to make ourselves more individual and stuff. It's a kind of, it's a neat and very cute story. Um, I liked, I like, I like Junebug and Johnny or Cricket, whatever you want to say. I don't know why he's called Cricket. But That's just her nickname. Yeah. That was a, a, a nice, But a nice let's get story. to the bar because I think you want to talk about her song. Yeah. Very briefly, it's a good song. I liked it, but I didn't like the voice. But what I found out was that's actually the um, the guy that does the sound is called Ben Babbitt. That's a guy for a start um, who's auto tuned his voice because he said he didn't like his singing voice, and so he eventually played around with it until he found a sound that was like androidy and weird enough to cover his mm, you know mediocre singing voice. So there's a few bits of the song that I don't like the intonation of how it goes, but overall it's not a bad song. But I do like how you go in and then the roof blows off and you're looking at the moon and the stars and the shooting stars. And again, the the game asks this story constantly. Are we inside? Are we outside? Or are we both? And just like 
again, like you said, it's probably just adding mumbo-jumbo philosophy so that we can think a bunch of different things and so I can sit up until 6 o'clock in the morning trying to decipher them all. And play it three times so you get all three versions of the song. Well, more than that, because you can pick... I think it's like nine different ways. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll put like a 25-minute version on YouTube <laughs> with all, all the different ways you can do it. But I did like the song. It is what it is. What did you think of the song? Did you like it? or? I mean, I enjoyed that section. I enjoyed it visually. But there was something about this where you choose the lyrics. Where And this is... Let's go ahead and get into this now. Because this is a big part of the problem I have with the way they've chosen to tell the story. They've chosen it in some ways. Not so much chapter or act three, but act four in particular... And really into Act 5, where it doesn't really matter what you choose. And what you choose becomes the story. But there is no actual story. So you can have multiple viewpoints. It doesn't really affect what happens later. It doesn't really connect to what happened before. They're just all interesting bits of text. But it's not really connected. And that really leads into... Act 5, which you could really skip altogether. You are choosing the ending for the characters, but you're so limited in what you're getting to choose that it it takes a lot away from me. And that, that kind of plays into here. It starts here. Like, I really felt like Act 1 felt very solid, and maybe you could have different choices, but it was still leading you a particular way. This one, I feel like it's leading you a, a particular way. But then Act 4, it's not so much. This one, we're going to be led now to the caves, which I don't want to talk about too much. It takes so long to do. You have to wander around the circle, talk to all the people, then get into... Oh, you talk about the whole of the Mountain King. Yes. Right. And then you get into the computer program, Xanadu, where they don't really explain to you what you're supposed to be doing. So you just have to keep going and going and going... And I don't know if I spent an hour too long in this game or if I had to do that in order to get to the next part. I don't know. But when I finally exited, Lula was standing there miraculously with all the answers. And I do like, though, that I like the idea of Xanadu. And I like that it it was meant to be this virtual reality that was so real you couldn't tell the difference and you could be inside of it and what it did is it actually tells us all the story of what happened with the research to get here but then there's just such weird stuff again with the the moss that builds up in the computer and is that a good thing or not the people come and collect it the weird under the mountain screechy voice people come and collect it anytime it gets to be too much and Lula and Donald and Joseph all had a falling out over this but they used to be very close it's just so weird. There's a lot of stuff to take in there, right? <laughs> yeah. But you finish all of that, and then that allows you to actually get out and move on. So you end up, at the end of this act, back at the Bureau. But that's that's what I got out of it. I I do like... There, there is a huge section with the church that we need to talk about. Yeah. One thing that I thought was funny was um, the research assistant for Donald was called Barbara Dunlop. Uh, she keeps on talking about no 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 it's not that's no, not the research assistant it's uh, Amy Amy is the research assistant that you can talk to and she's like oh yeah I wrote these books called the billionaire's bidding and uh, I can't remember what the other one was called so I looked them up to see if they were real 
And they are real. They're written by this girl called this this girl, this woman called Barbara Dunlop, and it's basically contemporary ra- romance trash novels. <laughs> it's really, really bad. There's like really cheesy covers of like. Well, that's basically the way they were described. Yeah, yeah, but they're real. So okay. I don't know if there's maybe a copyright thing there, but because it's a real woman's work, uh, that they're kind of uh, no, they're, they're not making fun of it, but they're attributing it to a totally different writer, though. You can yes. have two writers with the same titles. Yeah, yeah. But no, I like how Xanadu is. Yeah, it 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 is the history of the caves, but it also predicts the future, and it predicts Conway coming to fix the computer and moving on beyond that whole strategy simulator where you've got to hire researchers and assign them is a complete waste of time because you can just basically at the first moment you get you just like quit out and then Ezra's like oh let's keep playing He's like no kid we got to move and then Lula just appears okay I spent like an hour too long I spent I spent the whole hour doing it. I finished that game I managed to actually beat it how do you beat it because I got to everything being 100% except for the moss but well the moss yeah you have to have the moss at zero that's that's the thing. It's like yeah, but I did that. Is that beating the game? That's it. Yeah, I mean, it, I it, still had to leave the game though. Oh no, you should get kicked out of it. There's you, a point you, where you get you, kicked you out. might have just quit at one point. Just like you might have just. But like, I, listened to I someone. had all hundred percent. Yeah, except for the moss <laughs> romance level, which I had at zero. So I was yeah, because like, well, I've done it, yeah, and and it was like three days in a row where I had done that. Oh no, you got to go for like yeah. I went for <sighs> you get to the point where it's like it was kind of like taking the piss almost because it's like. You say, you say, you get to a point, I think you can hire maybe six or eight people. I think it's eight. And then when you put them in the first time, they're like, oh, so-and-so did this. And they found some bat droppings in a cave in Mexico. Yeah. But then later on, it's just like, they did research. She did research. She experimented with something. They don't they have no flavor text for any of the options that you pick. So you got to go through that like at least, I don't know, maybe five or six times. And then eventually you get to the end. It's like, oh, they finished their research. I was probably just stopped one day. You were probably one day, stupid. yeah. Because I didn't finish that the first time. I got bored. I was like, I'm out of here. But this time I was like, no, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. At the end, while waiting for the ferry, I chose the option to get the backstory for what Conway and Shannon found underneath the church. I think that's, you have to do that. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you have to because <laughs> it's very important. It's, very it's important, kind of everything. Yeah. It's just brilliant the way that it's done. This is probably the best part of the game for me. You go down, a skeleton gives you a tour. You have to put on a hard hat to go around. You meet up with other skeletons where you find out why they're here, what they're in debt for. The one leaning on a truck, I think, references the wrecked truck from Act 1 you could have seen. There's so many little connections you can make here as you're trying to help the tour guide get the truck started. You're getting a bunch of Conway backstory and then really annoyingly to pay for your tour you have to like take a shot and then when Conway says I don't want to work here it's like well you have to now and Conway pretty much just from that point on becomes resigned to this is what he's going to do he doesn't have a job anyway he may as well be here at least having a job makes him feel worthwhile and also if you don't take the shot the game removes control from you and it drags your hands slowly, slowly, slowly to the shot glass. And then click, you can't, if you just let go of it, it just, it takes over. So, but yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of cool stuff down there. The barracks are pretty cool. The mess area is cool. You got all these guys just like on these little recliner chairs, just like having a beer, whatever, all skeletons. You got that machine that you can like, uh, 
like demagnetize them with is just so odd so it's like yeah they're like they're holograms they can't speak to you they use tape recorders to play this spiel but yeah so it's like we find out that they don't need the black goop anymore from the caves of xanadu or the, the xanadu machine because they found the formula and the formula has been given to them by lulu who's like some mathematical no no wanda well, not wanda uh what's her name it's not Wanda. It begins with a W. Anyway, probably doesn't. Probably starts with like a D. Um, but yeah, so she gave them the formula and they're like going bananas over this. Like, we've got this formula. We crunch the numbers every day. We can work out how much work we need to do to pay off our debt, to keep above the, like, keep our heads above water, blah, 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 blah. It's just a really, this whole unit, even when you go down, when you sit on the church pew and it's just like all of a sudden it's like, woo, you take the elevator down. It's so, it's such a weird little area. But it's really cool. Here and there along the Echo, this is where the intermission where you have to dial through the menus, which I guess you don't really have to. But as you hang up, Bob and Emily have a little bit of discussion. Act 4, I hate Act 4. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Act 4 is a lot of going around on the Echo on the river, this underground river, I guess. And you get to go to the gas station, you get to... You can go to an island. You're always choosing, do I stay on the boat or do I get off the boat and do whatever you're supposed to do there? But none of the stuff really seems to matter. I, a narrator in between each section talks about something you see and goes, oh, well, that happened there. Choose which story you want to hear. It's one of these. But again, it doesn't really affect. It doesn't really seem to matter. And it goes on for a very, very long time. For me, the only important section is the part where you get on the boat and you have to go through the Bat Sanctuary, which was kind of irritating. There's a whole thing about don't turn on the light, but if you don't turn on the light, you can't actually go through, so it makes no sense. And then you finally end up in this underground thing that's also been reclaimed, a kind of... Telephone exchange. ...file room and a telephone exchange, which has been automated down to one person, because you still need one person to be here. And, and she was laid off years ago, but she's still working there. But the most kind of emotional thing in the whole game is when you see the three skeletons leave without you and the game tells you that Shannon goes back to the boat alone. So well, now you see Conway, Conway is taken away, you know? He's... But he looks now like a full skeleton. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if it was him or not until that bit of narration came in and said that Shannon took the boat back alone. So for me, that's pretty much it. Everything else in Act 4 feels like filler. It is. I mean, there's some nice filler in some parts. Like, I like going to the... The salmon one. Ida bit is good. The salmon Ida bit is awesome. It's that so story crazy. Is I love that story. With uh, the shellacking of, well, I needed to keep it shellac to keep all the recipes, and she didn't realize that her husband had been making her feed them, yeah. knowing that they probably wouldn't pay, but so that he could find out the good spots to find food, because he hadn't found anything when he was diving. Just it's the, so weird, but I, it's I love it. the same story from like two perspectives. Yeah. Just like she's like, thinks she's this amazing Kirk He's just like absolutely just grifting here, you know? It's brilliant. I love that story. But yeah, that, that's a good part. But yeah, all the little bits, like all the little trips you, that you make along the way. There's a couple of interesting bits, but. I got to find out about the Weaver video. The rum, I did yeah, the kind Weaver of video. enjoy that. But the rum it doesn't really was go anywhere, though. I didn't do the room colony. I stayed on the boat. That was quite pretty. It was nice. It was nice enough. But it's just like in this place where everything is just basically very relaxed. There's nice music playing and everyone can just like kind of switch off. 
and Conway, of course, has another drink. I don't know why Shannon is so like on his case. Like, stop drinking. She just nags him the entire time to stop drinking. Just leave the poor man alone. Have a whiskey. Jeez, he's already doomed anyway. <laughs> just let him enjoy his last moments. I guess so. There's the weird research survey thing where, again, we're getting the, the story as though it's already happened. But that also I could have skipped. Yeah, I've got a weird theory about what this whole part is, but it doesn't matter because we don't have time really to mess around with that. But Conway gets kidnapped. Well, kidnapped. I felt like it was kidnapped. He was basically forced into slavery for something. And I guess that's the whole point is what we've been leading up to. You're sold into slavery for your debt. And they came to collect him. And now he's gone. And for two years, I waited for Conway to come back. And he doesn't. Yeah, I waited a day and I was still irritated. Yeah, so let's go. Well, you get the cool intermission here where you actually have the flooding TV station and you get to click on everything. and You get the weird show. I do like that bit. But again, it's not really giving us anything new. Most of Act 4, this intermission and Act 5 just feels like it's telling us the same stuff over again that we've already heard. Act 5, it's interesting in the way that you go around kind of, at least what I did was go around in circles, listening to what everybody says. And time does pass in an interesting way where as you walk around, suddenly this character has moved to a different spot and you see time has passed with other things like the airplane getting fixed, the painting gets finished, all of that. But again, you only seem to be, at least for me, I felt like you're only given two choices with your characters for this resolution. They are going to be happy to stay here or they're going to move on with their lives. And that's it. And it takes so long to get to that. It's literally running in circles, this part. That's all you do is run in circles. Playing none of the characters you were. You're playing the dragonfly leading the cat. Listening to dialogue, purring with enthusiasm. Amused meow. Yeah. Curious meow. Curious meow. Um, And you get this massive hole in the middle that they climbed up to get here out of the echo. All very interesting stuff, which is kind of just like, blah. Here's... And it's, well, to be fair, and this, there's so many things that they could have done with this. This is like the first time we've actually been in sunshine. And it does look very pretty. And it is it's really quite a contrast to what we've been doing before in pitch blackness. But yeah, it's just, ah, it's just boring, man. It's just boring. You run around in circles. And like you said, the plane gets fixed. Everything happens. If you happen to be listening to the right people, you just got to go to the next person, click on their dialogue, go to the next person, click on their dialogue. Why is Emily in love with a crow? Um, and that's it. Done. You end with a concert at Five Dogwood that you've been looking for the whole time. And, and there's that it. big house in the middle that sticks out, like, the entrance. I mean, is it the gateway to heaven? Is it? Is that what it is? Is it the pearly gates? That's what I took from it. It's like, this is where you pass on, and this is the delivery. And Conway didn't manage to make his delivery, because I think maybe this distillery is actually hell. That's that's for another day, because we... <laughs> sorry, it's almost two hours. Um, but yeah. I don't know. And then you get the final end section if you found Carrington you liked it I didn't I found this also to be like oh why am I watching this it's mundane it's just we it's- we hear Carrington say that the thing he'd worked on for 10 years turned out to be a disaster because nobody showed up well I didn't really advertise it was, let's, ha- let's have a play at the, the gas station and like if the cast and crew want to show up then it's their that's their bag some random guy shows up from the company to clean up Harry's as he used to do and falls asleep in the bathroom. He's alright with it. Just let him just let him sleep. Yeah. And I think Emily's here? Emily is here, yeah. I mean, oh, that's one thing I wanted to do. I'll have to put this in as a comment or a footnote or something in the show notes, but 
I wanted to put Dogwood Drive into an anagram machine to see what it came up with. It's got to be God something. Um, I'm sure there's a little, a little puzzle there, um, which would kind of make sense if this is something, yeah, the final resting place or whatever. Um, yeah, so Death by Hard Man. Yeah, he says his play failed and nobody came, but we were there, Carrington. So thanks. That's the end. That's it. That's all I took from it. We We were there. Were we there? Yeah, we did the whole thing. Maybe this is the this is his play. Carrington could be God for all I know. You know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Like after Act Three, I think once we lose Conway, the story ended for me, yep. and I didn't really care anymore. And it's not that Conway was the only character I cared about. I liked Shannon a lot, and I thought she was a very interesting character as well. But we didn't really do anything with her after that point. Ezra, I never really cared much about. I think that we're meant to be amused by his childish things that he says, but doesn't really work for me. I enjoyed the experience, particularly, you know, the first three acts. But overall, the story, it doesn't, to me, really mean anything. It does seem to be the kind of story that's so vague it can mean anything. I think they forgot what they were doing in the first place as well. You know, I mean, if we're also going to go full circle as well back to the beginning and go back to the Kickstarter where they had this idea for a game that was a one-off game with not no acts. It was just like boom and done. And then it developed into this and then it developed into art projects. And then it just kept on changing and changing and changing. I think they also must have lost sight of what they had originally planned. And, it, you know, it's fun to be organic and let things grow. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I just felt like, I, I felt like maybe they were a bit too busy. Sounds like they were busy with a lot of stuff that they were involved in and a lot of problems that they were having. And I feel like if I was just like, let's just get it over with. Let's just put this to bed. It doesn't really matter. So let me ask you this. Seeing as that's how you're viewing it, would you purchase another game from them? Not if it was on early access. Definitely not. The same way that I'll, n- I'll never buy episodic content again, ever. Like uh, act by act. Or like, yeah, like piece by piece anymore. I've been burned way too many times on that. Uh, so I'm... Um, Staying away until it's finished. Because not only that, I don't like it when games change things. So I got to the end of Act 3 and then all of a sudden, oh, I've got the, now I've got these interludes to play. Just give me the game. Like, I just want to play the game. Maybe that's just me. I don't have to be first to play everything in this podcast. We're certainly nowhere near first on doing anything. But I don't need to be one of these people that's like, oh, I'm, I, it drops tomorrow. Sometimes I am, like with some games that I've been waiting for, but those are completed games. And even the completed games, sometimes, yeah, they've got bugs, they've all, they've all got issues and stuff. So I do like to wait, but never again. No more episodic content for me. I think for me, for the most part, I usually wait for all the episodes to drop before I want to buy it. One, because you tend to get a better deal that way. And two, I don't want to end up playing a game that never ends up finishing. And that's the thing. We're lucky that this actually managed to get finished. If it just suddenly got cancelled, like, oh, well, what what happened to Conway? We'll never know. No, that's not cool. But am I, all the games that that does happen, there's, there's a bunch of them. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying into that anymore. Gaps filled and more gaps created. 